You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Privily or secretly, that word privily can be translated secretly, bring in damnable heresies. Now notice the phrase bring in, that is bring in alongside. That is they bring in error and place it alongside of God's truth, seeking to cover up their deception. But here's the problem with all of that. The untaught, the unskilled Christian is easy prey for the devil's methods. The enemy of our souls is extremely crafty. He knows how to take kernels of truth and mix them with his lies, pulling the vulnerable in and poisoning them with deception. You can pour over Christian books and articles and listen to podcasts or sermons one after the other and still find yourself ill-equipped. As Pastor Mike will remind us in today's message, ultimately, we must intimately know the truth from the source himself in order to recognize the false teachings of our enemy. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Peter chapter 1 as he continues his message, A Shining Light. men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now here in the beginning of chapter 2, notice Peter now turns our attention to the false prophets who were causing so many problems within the early church. So in these two verses of scripture, what we have is two pictures in contrast. And, and you know, 1 Peter and, and 2 Peter, as I've mentioned before, are known as general epistles. That is, they weren't written to one particular church, like many of the Pauline epistles. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. We have the book of Ephesians, like for example. But these general epistles were sent off to a church. They were read by the elders to their congregation, and then they were passed along to another church where the elders of that church would read it to their members of their congregations. But you know what? You put these general epistles like 1 Peter and 2 Peter alongside of one another, and you kind of get a a sense of the state of affairs within the church. And listen, it wasn't really a good. And you can't help but wonder how the church, with such a wonderful and miraculous beginning, could have fallen into such a state of error so uh, soon. Well, I I guess I'm really not surprised, to be honest with you, because we know that there is a mighty deceiver who is sowing the seeds of unbelief and worldliness. I'm talking about the devil. 
And Peter refers to the devil in his first epistle and his craftiness, the way he goes out, the way he goes about uh, sowing false uh, doctrine into the church. And he reminds us, and he uses this analogy in 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse 8, he says, Be sober, it's a warning, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, notice your adversary, my adversary, as a roaring lion, and, and, and that's the analogy that we have, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So gang, you can be sure, wherever the truth is being taught, expect the devil to appear with a counterfeit. You know, this reminds me of Paul's farewell address to the elders there at the church of Ephesus. It's recorded for us in the book of Acts in chapter 20. Paul is now on his way to attend the Feast of Pentecost in the city of Jerusalem. He wanted to seize that opportunity as men, uh, Jewish men from all over the world would come back to that city to celebrate this feast. So he wanted to seize this opportunity to be able to share the gospel uh, with them. But Paul, as he addresses these Ephesian elders before he continues on to that city, is well aware of Satan's attempts to destroy the truth. And he also knew that the devil works through his agents, these false teachers. So with that said, Acts chapter 20, verses 29 and 30, he says, For I know after my departure, savage wolves, and this is the way that he describes these false teachers who are used by the devil, will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Now, going back to this roaring, lying analogy, how can we, or how must we deal with, these, with the devil's deceptions? That is seeking to sow false doctrine into the uh, church. Well, Peter goes on in the next verse there in 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse 9, and he tells us there that we need to resist steadfastly in the faith. Now, how are we to do that? Well, simply, we are to arm ourselves with the sword of the Spirit, which, as you know, is the Word of God. That is the truth of God's Word. And the truth of God's word, and knowing the truth of God's word, will rout the enemy and put him to flight. You see, he cannot get a foothold if you're knowledgeable and skillful in the word of God. So, listen, more than ever before, and particularly now as we move towards this next year, commit yourself to becoming a, uh, a greater student of God's word, applying yourself to that end. Spend more time than ever before in the word of God. God. Now, Peter goes on to tell us how these false teachers advance their fallacies. Notice, let's go back to our text in verse 1. Who privily or secretly, that word privily can be translated secretly, bring in damnable heresies. Now, notice the phrase bring in. That is, bring in alongside. That is, they bring in error and place it alongside of God's truth seeking to cover up their deception. Well, here's the problem with all of that. The untaught, the unskilled Christian is easy prey for the devil's methods. They're just enough of Christ in their, their false 
uh, doctrine to sound correct, to sound true, to sound respectable, you know? But unfortunately, the people that are being impressed by those uh, false teachings are incapable of distinguishing uh, what is true and what is false. And you know, I, over the years, I think of how many have fallen into the, uh, the cults. And the reason for that was because they were never grounded uh, in the Word. You know, I remember back in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, when I first came to know Christ. And uh, it was during a, a revival period. It was known as the, the Jesus uh, movement. And so many young people were giving their lives to uh, Christ. And the truth was being uh, taught. And fellows like, and pastors like Pastor Chuck Smith stepped forward and, and uh, God profoundly used them to minister to that uh, young generation. But at the same time, as there was a reintroduction of the Word of God uh, given to people, the devil came alongside and he began to sow false doctrines into the church. And I remember all of the, we don't see that as much as we do uh, today because of that revival that took place uh, then. Uh, but there were so many counterfeits. Uh, there were so many uh, other uh, so-called religions, Christian religions, but they weren't Christian at all, that had some Christian uh, beliefs attached to it, but then also alongside of it, there were these false teachings and doctrines. And so people were duped. Uh, people were, uh, were fooled uh, by these what seemed to be respectable uh, teachings and uh, doctrines. But the problem was they were incapable of distinguishing the truth. Why? Because they weren't uh, knowledgeable of God's uh, Word. Uh, they weren't capable. They weren't skillful in the Word. So they were confronted with a mixture of truth and error, and the problem was is that they didn't know the difference. And false teachers are no respecters of persons. They are bold. They are brash. And they're brash enough to thrust their error at God's choice saints. They'll come, they'll come up against anyone. I think over the years, how many of these people have tried to come into Harvest Christian Fellowship and have tried to get me to buy into their uh, false uh, teachings? Listen, gang, be aware. Satan will endeavor to disrupt our fellowship with false teaching. Now go back to our text. Notice the reference to damnable heresies. I'm reading out of the King James Version this evening. That is heresies of destruction that will destroy the unity of the church, the harmony, and destroy those that follow them, that buy into these false teachings. Now, these false teachers, who are they? Good question. You know, it raises the question, are they a Christians? Well, notice there in verse 1, it says of them, in describing them, that they even deny the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. That is, rejecting Jesus as the Son of God, deliberately. Now, as far as I'm concerned, this doesn't seem to suggest someone who is just backsliding, someone who knew the Lord at one time was right with the Lord, someone who had truly come to Christ, had a genuine conversion experience. So that doesn't seem to describe someone who's just at one time knew the Lord and is now backsliding, those who are promoting these false doctrines. So maybe there are groups of people 
who are going through all of the motions by making outward professions for Christ, but really haven't sincerely received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Because notice here in our text, there's no intimation here that they were ever born again in the first place. Also there in verse 1, we are told concerning these individuals that they denied the Lord that bought them. That is, they denied Christ's death, uh, the significance of Christ's death, his burial, his resurrection. All of these things are meaningless to them. And thus, as a result, also notice in verse 1, they bring upon themselves swift destruction. They ultimately experience all the horrific consequences of a Christ-rejecting life. So, the only conclusion that I can come to is I don't know if they were ever converted in the first place. Now, notice, let's go back to our text. The word Peter uses for heresies, you see that there? The word heresies refers to self-chosen doctrines and certainly not the doctrines of God. Now, Paul addresses this subject of the doctrines of man in the book of Colossians in chapter 2, in verses 22 and 23. And, uh, and as for righteousness' sake, he says of man's doctrines, they are, as far as, as far as righteousness is concerned, man's doctrines are absolutely worthless. So let's read that text. Colossians chapter 2, verses 22 and 23 which all concern things, that is man's doctrines, all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the uh, flesh. So that's the essence of heresy. It's all about will worship rather than God worship. Now, how is it that these people, these false teachers, get a following? Well, notice what it says there in verse 2, the first part of verse 2. And many shall follow their pernicious uh, ways. Right there in verse uh, 2, the first part of verse 2. Well, first of all, let me suggest that it's easier to get people to believe in error than it is for them to believe a truth. Why? Because error is always the easy way. It's the way that always appeals to the flesh. And it's the way that these false teachers, it's the hook that gets people sucked in. Promising in their teachings superior something, a superior uh, wisdom, a superior revelation, a superior position, right? Uh, but it's never about denying self, you know, picking up the cross, following Jesus. It's never about giving more to Jesus. It's all about me. Now, another way that these false teachers get people to follow them, notice there in verse 2, that word pernicious, pernicious, um, again, I'm reading out of the King James Version, in the revised versions of your Bibles, it has the word destructive in its place. So either way, but I like the King James Version because pernicious can actually be translated lascivious ways. That is the immoral lives that they live. Under their false system, you see, of doctrine, you can continue in sins with the promise of nothing to 
fear. So that would be very appealing to man. So what they taught appealed to man's corrupt and sinful heart. You know, Jesus, in fact, even referred to a man's sinful heart. When in John's Gospel, in chapter 3 and verse 19, there he said, men love darkness rather than the light. And how true that is. So anyway, these kinds of teachings and doctrines will find many supporters. Listen, tell someone that they must bow to Jesus to be saved, completely surrender their life to God, forsake sin, and see how much interest you get. Folks, let me, let me remind you, in spite of what men think or what they teach, this is the only way to be saved. It is God's way. You know, the tragedy of all of this is that sincere people get caught up in this sort of thing that is in false religion and false belief. And yes, sincerity is a factor in our Christianity, in our own personal walk and experience with the Lord, but sincerity alone send millions of people to hell. You know, going back to what I had mentioned before back in the 60s and 70s when I first came to the Lord, and so many other people were getting drawn into the cults. There was this mixture of Christianity and Eastern thought. You know, people bought into it. And let me tell you something. I met some of those people. I shared my faith with some of those people. I, I, I tried to win them to Christ, uh, some of the, those people. But they wouldn't move. They wouldn't budge because they were sincere about what they believed. But again, sincerity alone sends millions of people to hell. Let me give you a cross-reference for this in the book of Proverbs. In chapter 14 and verse 12, it says, There is a way that seems right to a man or a woman, but its end is the way of death. Gang, we need to test our beliefs. It does matter what we believe in. So make sure that it is of God. And then if it is, and it's met the test, then believe in it sincerely. Follow it sincerely. Now, another thing that should disturb us, that's mentioned here in our text, that is the effect these false teachers, their wicked lives, had on the unbelieving world. That is, those outside the church, looking in, would readily sense the hypocrisy within the church. Isn't it amazing how unbelievers can identify hypocrisy within the church, and then many believers who are in the church can't identify it uh, whatsoever? But notice what it says there in the latter part of verse 2. The way of truth shall be evil spoken of. That is, unbelievers outside of the church would be critical of Christianity and Christians. They would not respect the gospel. Now, as a way to combat this, uh, Peter addresses this very thing in his first epistle. If you remember, go back to Peter's first epistle. In chapter 2, in verse 12, so 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12, and there we are told, having your conversation, and the word conversation could literally be translated manner of living or the way that we behave ourselves, the way that we conduct ourselves, having your conversation honest, without hypocrisy, among the Gentiles, and the word Gentiles is just another way to refer to unbelievers, that whereas if they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. 
And in other words, there's not going to be in anything that they'd be able to point their finger at. There's not going to be any inconsistencies about your life and the things that you are, uh, in the things that you say or in the things that you do. Uh, they won't see any hypocrisy. And, and so that's, that's, the, that's the way that we need to live our lives. We must live the Word. Sound doctrine is best proved by right living. Now, let's go back to our text here in 2 Peter. Notice there in verse 3. Let's read that one more time. So 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 3. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Now, these heretics are not only guilty of lying about God's truth, and living immoral lives, but they were running a racket, a scam. It was a part of their get-rich-quick uh, scam. And followers were being used as fools. They were duped. This was really nothing more than religious racketeering, if you will. And, you know, this, this sort of thing even goes on today. And occasionally, we hear of them being exposed but for the most part, they are successful in hiding their uh, sin. So this is something that's even present with us uh, today. But Peter informs us, notice there in the latter part of verse 3, swift destruction will soon come, and they will be cast into hell forever. Listen, the truth be told, and, and mark this in the book of Numbers in chapter 32 and verse 23, because God won't put up with this. He'll bring judgment upon these false teachers. There we are told, and it applies to all who uh, follow after a sin. Your sin will find you out. Numbers chapter 32 and verse 23. Now, all of this should move us to ask ourselves, is what I believe based upon the clear-cut teaching of the Word of God? Do we know the truth? And are we obeying the truth? Listen, nothing else matters. Nothing else will do. Gang, the Bible is true. An essential message is salvation through the person of Jesus Christ. So, have you received him into your hearts? If not, do so now. And he will lead you into all truth. That is, as you follow him. Make that choice. Make that decision. Father, we thank you for the lessons that are served up for us here in this text. Help us to learn them. Lord, we thank you for this warning. And uh, Lord, these winds of false doctrines, Lord, blow through the church from time to time. Lord, help us to be uh, skillful. Lord, help us to be uh, aware of what is true and what is false, to make the right choices. Lord, help us not to be swept away. God, we thank you. You've been listening to In My Father's House, a ministry of Harvest Christian Fellowship with Pastor Mike Venezio. Thanks for tuning in. Throughout the book of 2 Peter, there are two obvious themes, maturity and growth. As difficult as those two things can be, they're necessary as a believer in Jesus. After all, they're stepping stones to holy living. 
What is holy living? It's setting yourself apart from all that is worldly and living into all that is pure and good. Jesus knew this wouldn't be easy on your own, so the Holy Spirit was given to help guide you through the growing pains. If you're wrestling with growing in the ways of Jesus, you're not alone. If you're struggling to obtain maturity as a Christian, you're not alone in that either. This life isn't easy, and the world constantly throws temptations. But lean into Jesus, cast your cares on Him, and don't give up. You can do it in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening today to In My Father's House. You can explore more of these messages by searching for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio on your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to subscribe. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll find directions and service times at harvestnyc.org. If this broadcast is an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? If so, you can do this securely on our website, harvestnyc.org. Thanks for listening today to In My Father's House.